0: This guy's legit lifts the veil on entrepreneurship at every stage across industries. I'm Rachel Dorsey.
1: I'm actually a stronger person and a better business owner if I can sort of like cut the fat where I need to, um, and being less emotionally attached to things, um, I think is really important. Be emotionally attached to your to your family, to your your dog you know and business it kind of it has to be um it has to be like that and I think the the sooner you can realize that the better.
0: Shannon Broyles Beal is the founder and principal strategist of SB Factory. You can find her online at sbfactoryny and sbfnyc. A former merchant and executive of Donna Karan and Brunello Cuccinelli North America, Shannon launched SB in 2012 after nearly a decade of product development and business management. SB Factory is a full-service brand development consultancy that provides early to advanced stage strategy for luxury, fashion, and lifestyle brands. Her team applies a multidisciplinary brand management approach that sits at the intersection of image, commerce, and sustainability. After a full workday, but before turning back into mom to her son, Asher, Shannon called in from the East Coast to record this conversation. You're listening to This Guy's Legit. Shannon, thank you so much for making time. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. So I want to hear um, what you've been up to the last 24 hours. So like between yesterday when you sort of finished your workday through now, what have you been getting after?
1: Ah, that's a, that's a good question. What haven't I been getting after?
0: Um, so,
1: you know, Mondays are always an internal day, at least in the office. We do all of our internal meetings, but first thing in the morning, I get up with my son who is a wonderful nine months old. Um, We spend time in the morning before work. Um, and then I usually head off to morning meetings on Monday, um, which I did today. Um, then I went to the office, checked in with my team, and then we're hiring at the moment. Um, so I spent the afternoon um, interviewing people, um, which is always interesting to see what sort of you know, crop of um, new young people are on the market. Yesterday was a Sunday, <laughs> so um, we kind of, you know, my husband and I are both a little bit we're kind of workaholics, so in the evenings, on Sundays, we kind of like plan our weeks. Um, but yesterday was beautiful in New York, so we spent some time in Fort Greene Park. Um, try to use my Sundays. I try as much as possible to um, detach from my devices. Um, I think I'm probably, sorry, Lee, but a little bit better at it than my husband is. <laughs> so, but I, but I usually do try out on my Sunday to do that. Um, and then it's kind of like full
0: speed ahead uh, during the week. So tell me about that actually I'd like to dive yeah. more into that like how you guys use social media how you guys are connected on the internet like yeah. you know, you live in New York where it's sort of like the city that doesn't sleep. So mm-hmm. um, What's it like on your devices? Are you getting messages like constantly all through the day that you feel like you have to respond to both of you? How does that work?
1: Yes, um, I can speak for myself I know my husband does I look at his calendar and he always has um, meetings that are overlapping but you know for from My perspective, um, we, you know, our business, SB Factory, we do business internationally and domestically, so I sort of have messages coming in from WhatsApp um, for our international clients. I also have text messages and then obviously emails as well. Um, Social media, I sort of have a a love-hate relationship with um, because, you know, we didn't grow up with social media as a tool, um, and now it's a very important tool. tool for business. Um, I tend to, on my personal account, use Instagram am more as like a baby spam tool because I just love posting photos of my son. <laughs> Nothing prompted. Um, and then for business, um, it is a valuable tool. It's a place where, you know, because, um, you know, it's used both domestically and internationally, we can reach a much wider audience on um, both sort of promoting our brands and our business. Um, you know, like I said, here in the U.S. as well as internationally. So um, we, we, Instagram is a big tool that we use. I tend not to delve into Facebook, um, as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of kind you know, that's why I, I try on the weekends to shut things off because, um, you know, it's kind of like so much stimulation all day, every day. Um, I used to be much worse and I think having a child has made me so much better at trying to find or seek a balance, um, somewhat. So mm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. 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 Um, Do you manage your own social media accounts for your business? Um,
1: I do not personally Um, we have our creative team internally tends to do that Um, one of the buckets of services that we offer our clients um, is image services uh, which is something that's really important in our industry we work with um, you know fashion and lifestyle businesses Um, many creatives and a big part of that is you know Image and voice and creative direction and all of that good stuff. Um, so, our, we have a, a team internally that manages that. Um, and, you know, we've sort of what I find, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, you know, who feel the same way, you know, you put all of yourself into your clients' businesses, and sometimes, you know, your own assets kind of fall by the wayside. Um, so, we're trying to be better um, at managing our own accounts and site and all of that. Um, but we really are sort of very very hands on with our clients businesses again i don't personally but um our our wider team does manages that
0: that's helpful for me to hear because you know i'm i'm also in a creative service business yeah. and yeah. so it's like yeah like we're 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 putting out content all the time yeah. for other people in other channels and it's yeah. like gosh, I looked back, I posted um, about one of my creative partner's birthdays and I looked back mm-hmm. and I was like, didn't we, like the last like three posts ago was last year's birthday post. Yeah. So it's like, it's, oh gosh. Yeah,
1: I know. It's really hard though, you know, because it's like uh, on one hand you want it to feel genuine um, and so, you know, you don't want to feel like you have to sort of subscribe to a template where you're posting at the same time, seven, seven times a week and it feels slightly contrived and I, I genuinely believe that content should be um organic um but that being i think you know some of the best content that we see across the industry um you know is is genuine content that doesn't have like a sort of you know contrived very like (laughs) you know sort of like you know same color same sort of content um point of view but it's also like you know, unless it's a full-time job, essentially, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So why why is social media a full-time job? Why should mm-hmm. someone invest in that? If someone's, you know, starting or growing their business, why would it be wise to, to put resources there?
1: I think someone once told me, um, I met with someone who sort of manages and he's built a business out of this, and I and I love having conversations with people because I, I firmly believe that, um, you know – Collaboration is stronger than competition, so I constantly meet with people who do the same things that we do, um, because I think there, are, you know, you can find ways of collaborating or partnering, but also you get a lot of really valuable insight, um, because as you well know, you sort of. You know when you're just speaking to your team or you're kind of speaking to yourselves Um, so I spoke to a guy and he was saying you know one thing that really sort of resonates with people and that we see like works really well um, on social media platforms is when you insert a personal element Um, and so I think you know that's something that we find and not everyone is comfortable with that like I wasn't always comfortable doing that um even though you know it's sort of my business it's sort of I always thought well who wants to hear from me you know who wants to it always felt sort of like there was like a vanity component and putting yourself out there or like you know I kind of wanted to like protect my privacy but at the end of the day once I started putting myself out there um you, I've only ever had positive responses to the content that I put out both personally and professionally so I think it's like you know, when it feels genuine and when whether it's a brand, whether it's an artist, whether it's anyone, being able to put yourself out there genuinely and really truly stand for something, um, you know, people are seeking that. People are seeking, um, you know, interesting stories. Um, and I think it's really important to be able to, you know, if you've got something to say, hopefully it's kind, <laughs> um, you know, or, you know perhaps your story would help someone. So I think it's really important, again, you know, if you to put out genuine content that is personal so that people feel like, um, you know, it's, it's a platform that can be used for connection. And I think that's initially what, it, what social media was. It's sort of, you know, it can go, you can go down a very sort of dark path with it, but I think what it stands for at its core is really about connection and collaboration and that's what we hope to get out
0: of out of it when we when we use it so I want to take us sort of like way, 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 way back. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> we grew up in the same hometown. Yeah. I, know, I know what you were like as a kid. You know, oh, I God. remember you with like floral dresses oh, and like really God. cool hats. Oh, um, and like, you know, you just like your big bright eyes. Oh, um, God. Oh, yeah, like, like <laughs> what what did you want to be when you grew up? Were you always into fashion? Like, did you know that that was going to be mm-hmm. your story? I
1: always liked fashion. It's it's so funny, you know. I was just interviewing a girl. Um, hopefully, she's not listening to this. But um, I, you know, there there are a lot of people that I interview that say I'm like, okay, well, you know, tell me tell me what you want. You know, what do you want to do? What's your goal? And people are like, well, I want to work in fashion. I'm like, well, why? It's it's sort of you know the behind the scenes component of fashion is really not that glamorous. And anyone who works in fashion will tell you that you work really long, hard hours. Um, you know, unless you, and even, you know, if you're designing, people are working around the clock, and that's been, a, there's a wider sort of existential conversation about how, how hard we push our creatives, and, and but it, it is, you know, it's it's not that glamorous. For me, it was sort of like... Um, you know, I, it wasn't about the clothes, it was about the artistic component of the industry, Um, and when you take a deeper look, I didn't go down the sort of design road, I went on down the business development and buying side, Um, and when you, when you look at the industry from that Perspective, you realize that it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Um, so you know, if people want to poo-poo it or feel like you know it's very superficial, there is that component. But I think there's also a lot of good that comes out of design, um, and that's something that that I wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, there was always, you know, when I was a child, my mom and I used to go shopping on the weekends. <laughs> so I, I blame my mother for my shopping habits. Um, but I think in terms of being part of the industry, it was always the sort of, you know, being able to like work closely with who I believe to be artists when, and designers are. Um, and I think that was something that was really important to me and to be able to sort of like get behind them and help people build their businesses. Um, that was something that I, that I have always wanted to do.
0: So what was your first job in this business? Yeah. um, So I actually,
1: believe it or not, worked for um, a small publication in Solana Beach. Um, It was a sort of an offshoot of Elle Decor. It was a magazine called Decor and Style. um, And it was a small publication. I was given a lot of responsibility. um, And I was, you know, writing for them. And I was doing a lot of the sort of um, editorial administrative work. um, And that was something that I thought I wanted to do. Um, I've always been a writer. um, And, you know, I think, brand building as it's you know I've sort of realized now that it didn't have to be just like straight writing um you know that writing is obviously something that you can do in brand building um so we sort of that's the application in my life currently um I thought I wanted to be a writer and and I realized that it wasn't social enough for me uh you know sort Mm -hmm. of sitting behind my computer and being and sort of being isolated for 10 hour stints while you're you know trying to like clear your brain fog and come up with a next idea I wasn't the way that I wanted to spend my day. Um, I think I'm a social person. Um, and so to me it was sort of like, you know, I wanted to be part of a team. Um, that was sort of like, okay, well, writing can be something that I do for my entire life, but it doesn't have to be my career. And that was a very important distinction for me to make in my sort of like early to mid-20s. And I think once I had that breakthrough, then it was sort of like, you know, the clouds parted and I was like, ah, okay, now this makes sense. But I think that's kind of what your mid twenties are for. Mm, <laughs> Figure, totally. Figuring it out.
0: Yeah. Totally. Well, I remember, you know, back in the day when you, you know, we checked in and yeah, um, you were like, I'm working on this book. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's so incredible. <laughs> um, and yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes our plans have to pivot and totally, and it, it, you know, there's no shame in that. I think a lot yeah. of people... Will sort of like hold on to a dream for a really long time, even though it's not the right dream because they've told somebody about it. And so they feel Mm -hmm. like they have to follow through or they're going to, um, or like this was, you know, this was, they were, what they were always going to be and what they were always going to do. And they're like super attached to that idea of themselves. Um, how do you sort of like push aside the fear of judgment or the fear of being perceived as a failure and pivot to what's like what's really your calling
1: yeah I mean that is a wonderful question because that's something that I still think about every single day I think as you well know as an as an entrepreneur it's sort of like you that's you know you have to be your own advocate um I have I was lucky enough to sort of have a um know off the record business mentor um and so anytime I felt like in the first few years years of my business when I was going to have a meltdown I would like go to her and she was like you know the problem is it's like if you are approaching it you know approaching your business from like well this is the way it has to be even if it isn't working um then you'll have you know your business will fail because you have to be able to be nimble. Um, you have to be able to say, well, that doesn't work. Let's move on and not be too emotionally tied to something because that just comes out of pride. Um, and I think once you're able to like push your pride aside and say, okay, well, it's, it's, you know, for the greater good of the business. And that has come down to, you know, employees. If something isn't working, um, you have to change it. You can't do it for somebody else's benefit. And that's something I have to say That I've struggled with throughout my, you know, the time that I've owned a business because I really do care very much about what other people think. I really care about not hurting people as well. And so sometimes I hold on to things, even if something isn't working, um, because I don't want to hurt someone, or, you know, because, um, you know, it affects someone else, or, and that's something that I've I've spent a lot of time, many years getting over, and being able to, like, forgive yourself, and being able to say, okay, well, you know, I'm not a bad person, because this didn't work out, or I'm actually a stronger person in a Better business owner if I can sort of like cut the fat where I need to, um, and being less emotionally attached to things, um, I think is really important. Be emotionally attached to your to your family, to your your dog, you know. And business, it kind of it has to be um, it has to be like that. And I think the the sooner you can realize that, the better. I mean, it, it is your baby. It is one of your one of your babies, and you're always going to have that sort of like emotional connection to it. But I think, you know, being able to sort of, you know, being able to look at it that way and say, okay, well, you know, I, again, I'm not a bad person because of this. I'm a stronger businesswoman because of this. um, I think is, is everyone, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone fails. That's part of the process. And if you can't accept your failures along with everything else, then you're not going to get very far
0: how did you decide that this was going to be your path? And how did you start? Like what were your first few steps?
1: Yeah. Um, at the time, um, I was working in house for Brunello Cuccinelli, which is a, um, a luxury Italian fashion house. Um, it's a wonderful company. I always say that if I were still working in house for a business, I would probably still be there. Um, the, you know, I was, I was working there and I was having, um, there were a few introductions that were made to sort of like smaller businesses, people who, um, you know, were just starting out their business, it was just a concept, or had just produced, you know, one to two collections, and they were trying to figure out how to get things off the ground. And one thing that I realized, and I learned a lot working at Brunella Cuccinelli, I think that their success model is is fascinating to this day. Um, You know, they're one of the only luxury houses that even in in the downturn of the market had exponential growth year on year. And I was looking at that business like, how the hell is that possible? Um, And part of that was because of the brand story and what they do and that, you know, the business stood for something much greater than just product. And so that was that's kind of been something that I, I've carried over into, you know, our business plans. And as we work on brand positioning, it's like, well, it has to be, you know, businesses have to exist off of more, especially in this like changing marketplace have to exist off of more than just product. Um, and so I was consulting, um, you know, on the side while I was at Brunello Cuccinelli and they were aware of that. Um, and then eventually that grew to be, enough of business that I said, okay, well, I'm going to take this, you know, out and, and start something myself. Um, so, you know, I, I launched my LLC, um, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, but really great. And to be completely honest with you, something that's been important in my life has always been being able to create my my schedule <laughs> and that's something that's been really valuable to me um because I work really hard um but you know being tied to you know having to be more exactly you know being in the office exactly at 859 you know it just that that isn't how I work um, and I'm honest about that <laughs> I'm sure you can ask anyone punctuality is not my strong suit Um, so, you know, but, but, you know, I think other than that, it was, I realized that what I was doing, um, actually had longevity, you know, I was doing something that was actually valuable to people and they appreciated what I was doing. And so, um, I think sometimes when you are a cog in a larger machine, you kind of can lose sight of, of that and, and, and what you have to offer.
0: So taking us back to what you said about brand story, I think that that, um, oh, hi, Sorry, dog. that's my dog in the background. Um, I, all good. I think um, we've had dogs, we've had babies. Like, yeah. bring it on. Um, exactly. You know, I'd like to hear if someone was trying to figure out, like, what is my story? What sure. two or three questions should they be asking themselves?
1: Oh, well, that's a good one. Um, I, I can only speak for myself, like I said. Um, one thing that really helped me was being able to distinguish whether or not something was um, a passion or a hobby versus a business idea, um, because sometimes, and this was a valuable lesson that I learned, um, and you know, many people have since told me the same thing, that you, know, you can think that a hobby will be a great business idea, but then sometimes that crushes the spirit of what made it a hobby in the first place. So being able to distinguish those two things um, is very, very important. Um, Also, one thing that I've learned and something that someone should ask themselves when starting any business is, do you want to be a CEO of a company? Because being a CEO of a company is very, very different um, than, you know, being part of a business. Um, You know, you may say, oh, well, I'm a great, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm a great consultant, and then you become a CEO of business, and you're not consulting as much as you are managing a team and managing them doing the work. So is that something that you want to do? Um, A lot of people and I have friends entrepreneurs who have started businesses and said, okay, well, I don't want to be a CEO um, because it isn't. You know, I've moved away from doing the work that I care so much about doing, and so I think that's also an important distinction to make. I I don't know if I have a third at the moment, but those are two two things that I think are, are really important to think about if you're considering starting a business.
0: So how did you scale? How did you go from yeah. being you know one person with you know a lot of great skills that people were hmm. coming to and paying money to consult um, to having a team and becoming a you know a CEO? How did you make that change?
1: <laughs> how did I make that change? Um, I think. Uh, to be completely honest, a lot of our business in the first few years came through a word of mouth, and so we were moving relatively slowly. Um, I was worried about taking on too many clients because I said, okay, well, then we have to scale too quickly. So we really have, you know, scaled organically. I'm um, more at a stage in in the business now where we say, okay, well, we need, you know, we desire that type of momentum but in the first sort of five years of the business we said well let's grow it organically and that was really important and that's that's sort of a you know an application that that we suggest to all of our clients organic growth is really is really important Um, and I think you know sometimes you can sort of peak crash and burn too quickly Um, so I think in terms of in terms of scaling you know for me it's always been about organic growth versus you know rapid scaling especially because we are a b2c um not a b2b B, um and that's you know that's important that's an important way to grow and um, especially if you're still trying to figure out what works and what doesn't um i think you know i have definitely made mistakes along the road um you know i have hired for roles that you know, seemed right at the time, but as the company grew and changed those rules weren't applicable. Um, So I think for me, you know, strategic hiring is really, really important. And being able to hire people who can take things off of your plate and allow you to focus on um, the growth of the business, that's very, very important. Strategic hiring is the most important thing, especially in early stages. If you've got someone who comes in and who says, let me take this from you so you can do that. That's the, you know, let's divide and conquer. That's the best thing that you can do in the early stages of your business. Um, And I was lucky enough to have that. Um, So, yeah, I think hiring good people has been been a key component of of the success of the business.
0: What do you say to someone who thinks that if they are to, you know, sort of like, well, I'll back up and say, you know, as a business owner, you know, when when you're bootstrapping it and you're on your own, you're responsible yeah. for the success. You're responsible for the failure. You cash the check. Yeah. You pay the you pay the checks. Still so true. when Still when true. you yeah so <laughs> when you decide that you're gonna bring somebody on yeah that's that's money straight yeah. out of your pocket. How right. do you how do you decide. Um, when it's the right time to invest like in a in a, in a person who's going to help you grow the business yeah. Um, versus feeling the, the panic of like well I just got to put it back in my pocket
1: I think when it gets to a point where you say you know it's not this is the wrong way of saying this but not that you've outgrown that work but it's sort of like you know I when I first started my company I was my own intern I was my own everything we were working out of my apartment my my dining room table to my husband was like, you gotta get (laughs) out of here. So I think it was for me, it was like, okay, well now is a point where a, the overhead, you know, it's an overhead that I can take on. I don't want to overextend myself um, or get myself into any debt, bringing on, you know, employees. That was really important to me. I'm being, you know, because we didn't have product you know, I always sort of run, like, a pretty lean financial model for the business, Um, so I think, you know, when it was sort of like, okay, well, we have enough clients now where I can't do this type of work, and I need to focus on the growth of the business, that's when I said, okay, well, I'll bring someone on. Um, You know, we're a small team, so it's really important to me that, um, you know, whoever we bring on, like I said, is able to take things off of my plate as opposed to adding more to it, Um, and then as a small team, Being able to bring people on who work autonomously is really, really important to me. Um, So I think, you know, it was kind of like, well, the workload is growing. Um, I can't manage all of this myself. Um, and I need to focus on the growth of the business, um, and, and new business. Uh, so that's when I was kind of like, okay, well, in order to get to the next level, I need to be able to bring someone on, pay them to do it. Um, and I've always, I've been pretty honest about this, that I've always paid my employees before I paid myself. Um, not any longer, thankfully, (laughs) but, um, that's always been something that I've subscribed to because I think... Um, when you show people, my baby's in the background, Yay! he's listening, um, when you show people, you know, that, that you are sort of loyal and that you have their back and that's something, then they sort of, you know, are more willing to give themselves to a business as well.
0: Wonderful. So I, I named this podcast, This Guy's Legit, in yes. part to call to question the <laughs> assumption that leaders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs are like men, you know, because they're yeah. not always. No, um, no, and, they're you know, not. To, <laughs> no, they're not. they're um, not. And to shine a light, you know, there's disproportionately far fewer women and non-binary people in the C-suite at that level. Yeah, am yeah. um, Yes, yeah. and I'm curious <laughs> if you've ever had an experience that called to question your skills, Um, an expertise as the face, as the leader, as the head of your organization, or maybe conversely, an experience
1: um,
0: that gave you a leg up as a result of your gender identity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will be honest with you. Um, I've always been pretty mouthy. So I I think you know that we've known each other since we were children. Um, So, you know, I think, I have always felt that if there was an injustice, um, you know, that I, I've always spoken in my mind, I'm sure that I've crossed people <laughs> as a result of that. Um, but I've never kind of, you know, I'll, I've been, you know, as a result of that, been able to get further in, in my career. That being said, even in my industry, in the fashion industry, which is, you know, we're the, a lot of the products that we work with um, are, you know, are women-centric products, um, the, the people who are running those businesses, the investors, people at the C-suite, um, in the C-suite are still older men, which I find really interesting. Um, I've spoken to investors in the past, had sort of, you know, controversial conversations It's sort of like, well, if I give you something, what are you going to give me? Um, and I don't believe myself to be a weak woman, and so, you know, that doesn't really fly. <laughs> um, you know, I, you miss out on a lot of opportunities and I know plenty of women who have sort of, you know, fallen victim to those types of things because the biz, the growth of the biz, of their business is much more important than sort of their own, you know, values. And to me, that's something that I would never, I, I just never feed into that. Um, I don't have any one, one, um, situation, you know, but I think working in house for some of the biggest luxury fashion houses in the world, um, everyone is an older white male. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, you're cute until you're mouthy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm sure that I've, I, I think I've sort of stepped on toes as a result of that. Um, but I'm not really in a position to, um, allow anyone to, no matter how young you are you know no matter who you are to to allow anyone to speak to you that way um and I think that's one one of the challenges that I had working for big business was that you know there's only so far you can go in your career unless you sort of subscribe to a particular um game let's call it i mean that wasn't something that i was ever going to do uh so yeah so so i think it it is a challenge even even in our industry and continues to be you know i've spoken to there's a really um amazing company called human ventures um i was lucky enough to go to a panel um where one of the principals was there and and they invest in sort of human businesses um and that's you know you an angle that sort of benefits the people um and it's a group of VCs and a lot of them are women and I think it's really interesting and there are more and more women um who are you know sort of there are a lot of women in finance frankly um we just don't always hear about them um and so I think being able to give women sort of a platform and a voice is really important especially given the the current political climate um Mm -hmm. very very important but um yeah I mean, yeah.
0: I think that's also a good reminder that um, oh. you know the right mentors, the right partners—they're oh. oh. out there. It yes. just might take more research and more work yeah. to find them. Yeah. Uh, but you can find the people that share your values and that and that uh, share your business ethics, and um, you just you just have to work a little harder.
1: Yeah, you do. I was just saying to actually this girl that I interviewed, I was like, you know, one one aspect of business that I'm, I'm, of our business that I'm really proud of is that I've sort of selected the people that, and businesses that we partner with. If someone feels dishonest or a company doesn't feel like they share a similar ethos to us and, you know, we work a lot in sustainability and that's something that's really important to me and the business, um, if, you know, then we can choose not to work with someone. I don't care how much money you have. <laughs> I mean, that's something I feel, I feel really sort of strongly about that, um, and I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to, you know, staying true to our, biz, our business ethos. That's very, very important to me.
0: So you work a lot and you also are a you <laughs> know, new-ish parent. Yeah. Um, Asher's how old? Nine months, you He's say? He's nine months, yeah. Crazy. Nine mm-hmm. months in, nine months out. Nine I'm watching him. I'm watching him now. He's <laughs> so how do you, with, you know, you had, there are a lot of demands on your time. There are a lot of demands on your attention. How do you recharge and stay inspired?
1: Ah, that's a great question. Recharge. <laughs> like I said, on the weekends, I do try to detox from my devices. Um, I, I get a lot of complaints from, from my parents that I, I don't call enough, but they sort of have now caught on to, um, The fact that, you know, I I do try to detox from my device. Um, I do also try at a certain hour to kind of not look at my phone. That's something that's been really hard for me. It used to be like my phone would buzz in the middle of the night and I'd check my email. um, And that's not something that I do any longer. That's really important. Um, Again, trying to get my husband to do the same. Hasn't quite caught on yet. Um, I think um, I haven't been that well lately um but up until recently I think exercise was something that was really important to me um you know and I I'm not the sort of person who can like peacefully meditate or do yoga (laughs) for me it's like okay well I'm gonna go for a run or I'm gonna do some like strength training or something that really sort of like beats it out of me um I think that's something that has always kind of helped me um and we've been lucky enough in, you know, our time living in New York that we've always lived near the water. Um, and coming from the West Coast, the water has always been, you know, really special, a really special place. Um, and so I, I just sort of, like, love, you know, being able to, like, be on the water um, and look out and feel, you know, that there's there's so, like, a never-ending world. Um, I think water has always been really calming to me as well. So, yeah, I think
0: all those things. How have you had to adjust your work life um, now that you've become a parent, and how um, do you how do you manage yeah. um, adding in like such a huge thing to an yeah. already busy life?
1: Yeah, I, it used to be that I would get home from work, and my husband and I are both the same. We'd get home from work, we would open our computers, even though we've been at the office all day, and we would both be on our computers at the table. And now it's sort of like there's a very clear, you know, he's nine months old, so he goes to bed early. Um, But, you know, we want to spend time with our son, and so we get home, um, and we kind of have that little bit of time before he goes to bed between 7 and 7.30 to spend time with him, and I've made more of an effort to sort of, like, be a human being and, like, make a meal, (laughs) you know? And those are things that I didn't used to do, and sometimes it's, you know, having a child, like, forces you to do that, and that is a very, very good thing, and I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: What are you excited to try this year? Is there anything new on the horizon that you're planning for or working on? That's
1: a good question.
0: Anything new that we're planning
1: on? Um, let me see. Well, I'm very excited on a personal level to travel a bit with our son. Um, my husband is from England, and so and I go to Paris quite a bit for work. And he's actually, um, they're both coming with me on this trip in June next month. Um, so, being able to travel with our child has been really special and exciting, um, so I think that's something, just being able to look at the world in a different way, like, through his eyes has been, has been really, really exciting. Um, I think, you know, for work, we, we always try to take on new sort of, like, extracurricular partnerships that keep those like creative wheels spinning. And that's really important so that you don't get kind of stuck in the day to day, because even if it is your business and you love it, it's like still work at times. And so I think, you know, being able to take on those things and remind yourself and like work with really amazing creatives and say, okay, well, let's build something that we don't have to build, um, you know, that we don't get paid to do. Um, I think those are the types of things that really sort of, you know, keep, keep us moving. So nothing, nothing, totally outlined yet, but we have a few things, a few things that we're sort of in in talks with people about.
0: And now how about in 10 years? Do you have, do you set like massive goals for yourself or, or are you really into the organic growth? (laughs) Yeah, I'm all, I'm into the organic growth. Um,
1: we, you know, as I, I never look out that far. You just never know. Um, that we totally trying to get pregnant. So, you know, and then, and then life changes and it's beautiful and amazing. Um, so I think, you know, for the next 10 years, I don't, the only thing I can say is, you know, we are searching your him in the background, by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. He's oh, very, yeah. he's very
1: that. chatty. I, I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um So, I I don't look out that far, but I will say that one thing that my husband and I both talked about is being able to have some sort of, like, business representation on the West Coast in California. Um, There's been kind of this, like, creative renaissance on the West Coast that I'm really excited to kind of tap into, Um, and so that's definitely something that... You know, we kind of have on the horizon the next like one to two years. Um, ten years feels like a long time. And I will tell you, you know, I, I've spoken to some really amazing um, investors who have said, you know, even from a business model, you really shouldn't be projecting more than three years out. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, I try to, I try to take that advice in, in my personal life as well.
0: How do you decide if a project or a partnership is the right fit? good question. Um I think, you
1: know, so from a client standpoint, um I really, you know, we don't just take on any brand. I I always say I'd be a lot richer if I did. Um we have a lot of brands and businesses who come to us and it's like you just don't see an opportunity in the marketplace. Um then I it does both of us a disservice by trying to force something to work. Mm-hmm. I'm really honest. I I will tell our clients where they shouldn't spend their money and sometimes that's on us, like it's not the right time, you know, Try to do it a little bit, a little bit longer on your own. Um, it's not the right time to invest in in a consultant or a consultancy, and I'm really honest about
0: that. So I want to know how you will know when you've made it.
1: Um, I think one thing about being an entrepreneur is that there isn't sort of like one defining moment to so, say, "Okay, well, I've made it. Now I can stop." And the most successful people in the world are those that don't sort of put a cap on on what makes one successful. I think if you're a driven person, there's never like one defining moment. Um, And I think, you know, drive is something that you can have for all eternity as long as you're on this earth. Um, And I think drive is something that makes you a better person. It makes you a better partner, um, both in work and, and in your personal life. And I don't think, I don't think there's one thing. I think it's also really important to all, you know, to kind of like stop and appreciate um, the little things that you've accomplished as well. It's very easy to kind of get, you know, bogged down with, with tasks, to do lists, and, and projects, and to kind of feel like you're, you know, you, you don't take the time to appreciate what you have accomplished. Um, I, everyone does that. Um, and so that's something that I try to do uh, to kind of like appreciate. Um, you know, the things that we have done, um, especially as someone who is self-funded, I think that's something that I'm, I'm particularly proud of. Um, but yeah, I think there isn't, there isn't one thing and I kind of just try to appreciate the process and say, okay, well, you know, I, I set kind of like milestones and goals for myself and that's, you know, once you achieve those goals, it's wonderful. And then you kind of move on to the next thing because as someone who's driven, it's important to do that.
0: Wonderful wonderful mm-hmm. shannon you're crushing these answers <laughs> oh, okay here's my last one so sure. i find that as an entrepreneur and maybe even for any sort of hardworking, driven person mm-hmm. the boundaries of our lives become blurred mm. that that is true for you that's true for me and it really makes me wonder what's the point of all of this so right. <laughs> my final question is what is the meaning of life
1: that is such a that is that is that is the question um what is the meaning of life I think um, I think that answer changes as you go through life. I don't think there's one purpose that sort of defines everyone. And I think, you know, what was important to me in my teen years versus my 20s, now in my 30s, it's kind of like, well, what you know, what is important to me shifts. What was important to me before I had a child is very different to what is important to me now. Um, and I think that's really important, like I said, to just sort of appreciate the process, um, appreciate, because um, if you don't, you know, then there, there is no point. There is no point to doing any of it. If you can't appreciate the process um, and sort of allow yourself to, um, you know, make new goals and, 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 you know, kind of like have, have a different standard for what makes you happy and sometimes you lose friends along the way and sometimes you know life changes and that's okay I think as long as you are a good person and you're doing more than you're doing more for others than just for yourself then I think I think you'll you'll be okay.
0: Well, thank you so much, Shannon. You, you are just like such a delight. Oh, and and <laughs> it's, it's, it's been so amazing to watch you build your business and oh, to see me. you grow. And I just feel really honored that you took the time to share this. Well,
1: thank you so much. I mean, it, A, it's been long overdue that you and I catch up. Um, thank you so much for the thoughtful questions because it definitely, you know, gets you thinking. Um, and that's that's important to do. So thanks so much, Rich, cool. for having me.
0: You've been listening to this guy's Legit. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey, with editing by Drew Dorsey and original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. This guy's Legit is executive produced by Boningold. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe to get the next episode automatically. And if you really like what you heard, leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at this guy's Legit.